Shelter Community Development Podcast, where we talk about all things to do with community health and growth with a focus on Toronto, Canada. Today, we're here with Emily, Laverne, and Lyla. We're students representing Centennial College, and in today's episode, we'll be exploring some interviews we've had with local Torontonians on the topic of defunding the police. Emily will be covering our first issue. We reached out to local community members in order to ask them what they think on the topic of defunding the police. Let's go back and explore an interview with Fernanda Sierra, a culture and arts graduate of York University with experience studying and advocating the history of the African-American and Afro-Latinx diaspora here in Canada. Fernanda makes an important point. The origins of of modern-day policing, they come from the slave patrol on the 1700s so the transatlantic slave trade means you know the forced migration of over 20 uh, over 12 million uh people from africa into the americas and when they were brought here a forced like a unit was created called the slave patrol which i mean you can probably figure out what it was um but exactly what kind of modern policing is based on is is the law enforcement and like enforcing segregation and and putting black people quote-unquote like on their place the idea that the police force has been and continues to be an institution that is oppressive fundamentally against people of color and forcefully violent by nature causes much concern fernanda also mentions jim crow law state and local laws that enforced racial segregation in the southern united states which until 1965 was a huge influence over law enforcement the American Civil Liberties Union, a nonprofit organization founded in 1920, also believes in defunding the police. Their mandate is as follows to defend and preserve the individual rights and liberties guaranteed to every person in this country by the Constitution and laws of the United States. In an article written in June 2020, they argue that the institution of the police in and of itself is corrupt. So the only way that we can create change is by asking local officials to, and I quote, stop allocating funds for the police to acquire more militarized equipment and instead ask for that money to go toward community-run violence prevention programs, end quote. By doing this, they hope to achieve systematic changes that require a complete reimagining of law enforcement in the United States. Fernanda also goes on to say that this system is beyond reform, as it is too militarized to be able to make effective change. She mentions that more money is the only solution to this system thus far, and so defunding the police will be one effective step towards reformatting the way we deal with issues in our city. Farrah Stewart, a retired forensic social worker who has worked in the justice system and mental health services for over 35 years, discussed her interactions with police as a person of African descent and one who has interacted with minority groups during her professional career and how they came out of a negative interaction feeling. 
wow, I'm black and I have worked in the community and I have people I connect with on a regular basis that yes, I've had negative involvement with police and have certainly reported stories of incidents that have occurred and they walk away feeling hopeless and helpless and unheard for that matter. Or it's just a part of their life, part of the procedure of what they are they were encountering. Another minority that suffers from mistrust with the police are immigrants, a large part of Toronto's society. According to a US journal published in 2019, first generation immigrants have less confidence in the police than both non-immigrants and second generation immigrants. This can make having a conversation with others difficult. My mom doesn't understand why we need to defund the police. Same with my grandma. She thinks it's crazy to advocate for these things. Fernanda, a first-generation immigrant from Mexico states, I think I've always been very conscious that the police is not the person I would call in case of emergencies because they are very dangerous to our communities. Vera Stewart was asked her take on strategies or projects that should be funded. She made it clear that training was not an option as the police know right from wrong but are instead racial profiling. They know that putting their foot in somebody's throat or kicking someone when they are already handcuffed is not appropriate behavior so that's not a matter of training that's a matter of being human. A study of nearly 100 million traffic stops from around the U.S. has concluded that, on average, black drivers are 20% more likely to get pulled over than white drivers. This is a direct quote from Rhea, a victim of racial profiling, and she says that, Yeah, it was an undercover police officer who stopped us, and he actually pulled a gun on us. I'm pretty sure it was because of my friend's skin color. She continues, there's no longer the idea of officer-friendly, who might help you understand why they pulled you over. David Lowry is the founder of the Living and Driving While Black Foundation. It is an advocacy group calling for an end to racial profiling. And he expressed that it's about using racial profiling to control people and place fear in them. One of the biggest issues we see with to dealing with mental health patients, and this is a direct quote from my interview. Police force also needs to be educated in dealing with mental health patients and the disabled, because there have been so many instances where those people died because of how some officers didn't know how to deal with them and saw them as a threat. Quote end. People with untreated mental illnesses are 16 times more likely to be killed during a police encounter than other civilians approached or stopped by law enforcement. This is according to a new study released by the Treatment Advocacy Center. The police force almost always doesn't have the knowledge in dealing with mental health patients. They are not properly trained. When the police respond to a stress call, they aren't always equipped with the means to help in a way where it's feasible. What they are equipped with are guns, handcuffs, and rubber bullets. What they are not equipped with is the capabilities of a mental health worker. 
It is truly a shame that when someone looks at a police officer's uniform, they feel fear rather than the sense of security. And when a mental health patient is put in the same room with a police officer, the situation may escalate. Going back to the topic of defunding police, according to the article, What Could Defunding the Police Could Look Like in Canada's Largest City, posted on CTV News website, Ontario's premier, Doug Ford, was against the idea of defunding the police, saying that he believes in strong police system based on better community involvement. I just don't believe in cutting police budget, he adds. Never believed in that, he continued. Ford also mentioned how Ontario does not have the same systematic racism experienced in the U.S. Later, he backtracked on that statement. We found that the citizens of Toronto look skeptically on Toronto police. Little things like mental health issues or being a newcomer to Toronto are all sources of concern for Torontonians. Most of the people I interviewed wanted to see the Toronto police defunded and resources allocated, although their knowledge of possible community programs would be shaky. We believe if Toronto can bring more light to the next steps after defunding the police, Torontonians could be a little more at ease. Thank you.